So I meet P. Diddy. Out of 60 people, somebody probably know Diddy. Somebody probably know him or probably a person away from him. Like, it's just a matter, it's just about having that value and that, just that connection. Hey guys, and welcome to the Join Your Podcast. My name is Corey Mortensen, and on this episode, I've got Antoine Chef Fresh Gutierrez, a luxury catering company owner and entrepreneur and mentor from New York, who I met at an Entreminded charity event, and him and I just hit it off. I loved his story. It's captivating, to say the least. He was in and out of prison selling drugs and now is an amazing entrepreneur, person and mentor to a lot of people. So I hope you guys enjoy his story. I know I did. It's it's really amazing. And there's lots of lessons to be learned. We talked about a lot of great things. So hope you guys enjoy it. And yeah, without further ado, here's the next episode of Jordan Year. So just start by telling us who you are. Introduce yourself and tell us where you're from, first of all. All right, my name is Antoine Gutierrez, but everybody in New York and around the country knows me as Chef Fresh. I'm an executive pastry chef and founder of Fresh Taste Bakery, which is an online dessert catering business based out of New York City. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you for having me, Corman. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you can make it. I'm glad we could get something set up. So Antoine and I got set up. Uh, we met at the last Entreminded event, big charity event. Yeah, Entreminded was cool. Yeah, it was amazing. So he's from New York, and this is his first time in Austin. In Austin, in Texas period ever. Really, period Texas. Texas. Period. This is my first Texas experience. Is Austin. <laughs> what do you think so far? I like it. There's a lot of people out here. A lot of different parts of it. A lot of things to see. Well, how are the people here compared to back in New York? How'd you How'd you compare and contrast that? <laughs> um, the people here, I feel like. They're a lot more lively. I mean, New York New York is a different culture. It's mm-hmm. a different culture from Texas. I've never obviously. been. Like I said, I want to go to New York. I mean, the people here are cool. I feel like they're friendly. They speak first, you know? Mm-hmm. New York is a little bit more like, they got to, you know, watch you for a little bit before they actually engage with you, depending on, you know? Mm-hmm. The, 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 they got to check you out a little the, bit. Yeah, they got to check you out, see who yeah. you are, yeah. based off the energy and aura. Here, you just be sitting down anywhere, and people just come and start talking to you. Yeah, so many guys <laughs> are talking to me like, yo, because I'm out here with the Yankee hat, really repping New York, so they're like, yeah, man, Yankees, and just talking to me about all types of stuff. Some people welcome me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really cool. Yeah. Austin's a kind of a unique place in Texas on its own anyway, because so many people from all around the country end up here in Austin. I mean... Uh, I grew up in Lubbock, which is six hours and northwest of here. And there's people from Lubbock, in Lubbock, are usually from Lubbock. Okay. <laughs> they either come from not too far away or they've lived there their whole lives. So Austin is completely different for me because anybody you talk to, you don't know where they're from. That's they're gonna cool. be They're going to be from somewhere totally different. And there's lots of people from California from the Northwest, from East Coast, and I mean, really all around the world too. I mean, international attention is obviously on Austin and that's a big driver for you and your business. I know that's coming up later as we'll talk into it, but tell us kind of more about your story. What, what is, I mean, just start to tell us what your story is really. Well, I'm from, I'm from Westchester County. I'm from a place called Peaceville, New York. That's, that's a little bit about 50 minutes up, up, up from New York City, from the Bronx area. 
if 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 anybody that listening is ever out in New York City, that's that's the area that they can they can check out. But I grew up up there, and I grew up in a couple other places like North Carolina, the Poconos, um, the Five Boroughs, and I got to see a lot of different cultures and different parts of living as a child and different religions and stuff like that. So I got to understand at a young age that the world was diverse and it wasn't just what was going on in my house and, you know, it was different belief systems. Mm-hmm. But um, growing up up there, <clears throat> grew up with a single mother. She was cool, my, my grandmother, and not really much of a father figure was present, like... My father, he was from Honduras. He was, you know, in and out. Like, sometimes he'd be there, sometimes he wouldn't. So I more or less just had, like, my uncle as a role model. And um, I was the only child, so I didn't have no siblings. And okay. I was the first grandchild. So I was kind of on my own, had to do it myself. But um, fast forward, and from that, just my mother got to a point where I started becoming, you know, a young man and she couldn't really, you know, contain me. You know, young young boys they need their fathers, they need that that male influence in their lives to create those boundaries that a mother can't. And I was lacking that, so she figured it would be a lot easier or maybe give me a better chance to send me with like relatives in like the South or like maybe my father in the Poconos, which is a diverse location. Like Austin, how you saying, like, nobody was from the Poconos. Like, everyone was either from, like, the five boroughs or, like, parts of New Jersey or the South or, like, mm-hmm. I learned so much about New Jersey living in PA. Like, that's, like, so I can understand what you were saying. Yeah. And then, you know, just, just dealing with the Bronx, like, like transitioning from Westchester County to like the free lunch program and, like, being shooters and, like, just, like, New York City has its own culture as well, so... Yeah. It's diverse. Mm-hmm. So what what was kind of the thing that changed in your life to bring you to where you are now? To what, what was the catalyst moment that really changed your life? So it's such a long story, man. It's such a, it, it's so many chapters to it. Like, so coming up from my childhood, I got to my teenage years and I started hustling. Like I had to, I didn't really, I didn't have a, I didn't have a example, a positive example of how to get a job and get money the right way in front of me. And I had people that were hustling, selling drugs that were showing me how to live another lifestyle that was kind of glorious at the time. So mm-hmm. I fell into that world and like went headstrong into that world, like took it like, like see one thing about me, like I may have been misbehaving, like I may have been having like, you know, like my lifestyle was a little crazy growing up, bro. We was just do some wild stuff. But despite that, I was an honorable student. Like I still, was passing in my like biology classes and algebra, like, you know, just things that were kind of like oxymoronic, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, so always had the intelligence, but I, I had, I was just a little bit misguided, you know? But with that being said, when I got into the drug dealing lifestyle, like, I took that shit real serious and I actually dove into like all the old gangsters, all the old drug dealers, learning about federal laws, learning about search and seizure processes, learning about product, learning how to measure it, learning how everything, bro, like um, results. Like I took it real serious. Like if I was getting a degree, mm-hmm. so I, I, I actually kind of say I, I got like a bachelor's in that shit. Yeah. And I mean, like it's that serious. And, um, just understanding how to operate. And then what made it even more crazy is when I, when I discovered economics in high school. That was like crazy because I was already hustling, but mm-hmm. then I discovered like incline, decline marketing and oversaturation <laughs> tactics and like that they were using the word product and consumer, but I usually called that work and fiend. I'm using something totally different, but it's the same concept. Yeah. So now I'm 
going to high school, Peace Corps High School, right? And I'm cutting every class except for economics because I'm hustling probably the rest of them, like selling weed and stuff. Mm -hmm. But this one class had me boosting my my actual financial intelligence and being able to make tons of more money outside. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was doing for there. And I got I caught a, in the midst of that, caught a couple of pinches with the law. And when you're going through that type of process, it's like, those are transition points. You you know, you, you get to sit down and you decide like, yo, is this something I should continue? Kind of evaluate yourself. And it took me about three times before I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Son got to give. Because I grew up fast, you feel me? Like I had, by the time I was 19, 20, I was doing the same thing that dudes was 30 was doing. Mm-hmm. Same exact thing, same cars, same same clothes, same women, same places, same amount of money, same everything, like same everything, bro. So it was like, I kind of looked down on that and was like, that's 10 years worth of development. Yeah. Like, how could I still be doing the same thing 10 years from now? That doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I promised myself at 1920 that I wouldn't be 30 doing the same thing. Unfortunately, I did like two or three bids in the process. I slipped up again. Like, So I was locked up for 18 and 19. I did my first set of eight months, came home, real shook, probably less than 90 days later, thinking I knew better, ended up getting a sale and back in jail, like less than 90 days from coming home from eight a year. Yeah. And then I was out on bail for that case for a year, then ended up back doing time for that, did another eight months, came home for six months thinking, hey, let's try something different. You got a paper felony now, which means I didn't go to prison for the felony, but I have a felony now. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to go to prison. So I was like, hey, let's let's get, try to get a job. So I was working at like, got a stop or shop job, working yeah. at the supermarket as a dairy clerk. And even doing that, I still was selling weed in stop and shop. Like I would set up my aisle, but mm-hmm. I, I might see you after, or somebody. After all this, after all No, this, this is like, stuff. yeah, this is it. In between, the, after the last two bids. Mm-hmm. But I'm not selling crack or cocaine. Like I'm trying not to sell something that's felony weed. It was misdemeanor stuff and yeah. violations. So I thought like it was like minimizing the situation. So I thought I was justifying it. Mm-hmm. And that was my way of kind of going. I go to work like six or one in the afternoon, make a quick buck 50, then have the rest of the time to still be outside like I would do, like if I didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. And that was like my mindset. Like, yeah. So when you were going in and out of like the prison system, were you, because you said that you were skipping classes except for economics and kind of learning about finance and how money works and how the world kind of operates with that. And then afterwards going in and out. Were you studying at all while you were doing that? Or was it kind of just that you got distracted and got pulled away with, with doing all that? Well, I tapped into a couple of things. I was always catching ideas, but I hadn't found my passion yet. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like I was going to be a mechanic and HVAC. And I started having real estate ideas. I learned how to flip houses from a teacher, mm-hmm. a GD teacher while I was incarcerated. Um, I got my GD when I was incarcerated, actually, too, yeah. after my senior year. Okay. And... I was learning. I was trying to find myself. Like I, I wasn't. It wasn't. Nothing was hitting yet at the time. So mm-hmm. in the midst of that, I still was just hustling. I had a good reputation for it. I had a pretty dope network, and I was doing my thing. It's just certain times things was happening. Yeah. But the last time something happened, I was where I was talking to about the after the stop and stop job. I got jammed up with a friend that kind of that that persuaded me or put it. I'm not gonna say persuaded me, but put the put me in a position to put the opportunity in front of me to step out of my character and commit a robbery. Now, one thing about me was I was really big on selling drugs, hustling, business, economics. That was my thing. Sales, mm-hmm. sales. Not really. That wasn't my, I wasn't into stealing. Yeah. You know? So when he, I got proposition with the, with the plan because he said it's a place that got some 
bags of money like a rental car spot. And I'm like, nah, I'm good on that. Things is cool. But I took a big loss. And mm-hmm. when you take a loss, even in business, it kind of gets hectic. Like you may want to take a speedy loan real quick and it might not be in your best interest, but you got to keep operation going. Yeah. Same kind of panic attack. So I'm like, fuck it, let's do the robbery because mm-hmm. I need to keep this. I got a phone ringing. Yeah, because when you get in like the situation where it's it's fear and you don't know what else really to do and someone comes up with a quick option. That's that, what it was. Theory, Send out I really disagreed to do. Yeah. And it was like, you know what? I don't have no other option right now. Let's do it quick and let's go about our businesses. And maybe this will benefit you because you're the one. I'm actually helping you financially right now. Mm-hmm. So if you could get something for yourself and I get a little bit more. We both could probably do something even better. That was the mentality, but that was greed. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because I was already blessed with after taking that loss, I got blessed with about $3,000 worth of material within two days, right at the same time that I was supposed to go do that robbery situation. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have had that. I was up 3000 already, and I still went and did it. Yeah. That was a gatekeeper moment. I changed my life with that decision. Mm-hmm. So what happened next? What happened in your life after that? I went away for three years, a prison upstate, like up by Toronto, like like far, far from home, eight hours, eight, 10 hours from my family. And that was like seeing, you seeing seasons change. That was a whole different experience. Being around guys that's been in prison since like 67 before Malcolm X and Martin Luther King died. Like these are the guys that were, when they got locked up, these guys are still alive and I'm here with them. They missed the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. And it's like, it's real. It was a lot of balance going on and it was just a, a real learning experience. While I was up there, I discovered painting and decorating. I got us like really certified in like painting and wallpaper, wood staining, metal painting. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to come home and do that. I didn't think I would become home and do culinary arts. Like, yeah. this was like an accident. This was like... Did you I, have any, like, creative outlets before that? Or was that just something that you picked up? For culinary? Nah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I did little quick things. Like, I remember in North Carolina in the sixth grade, I, I discovered a peanut butter cookie recipe that I used to make for everybody. But that was, like, the only recipe. I didn't really want to pursue the whole mm-hmm. industry or the, or, the, or the field. Some of the things that happened all this way, you didn't have much of an example of what else to do. Is that right? Right. What? Who was in your life that you kind of found that changed that for you? That changed it into where it is now from mm-hmm. then? Yeah, from then. Well, you got to remember, I feel like the time work for me was my prison bed. Like, I wasn't through like a transformation chamber because there's a, there's, a, there's a version of me that was before that and there's a version of me after that. Okay. So it was like- So what changed those versions? What started to flip you over into that besides- Obviously, the, besides the time work? Yeah. Um. It's like I got removed to like another planet. Like I say that because I'm from Pisco, New York, but I knew to change my life because I was coming home with five years of category one parole and in New York State, that's a big thing. Like I could sip on a banana pill and end up back in jail for like 16 months mm-hmm. for no reason without a new crime. So I didn't want to give them that. And I needed something to, um, you know, like keep me out of trouble. So I knew already coming home twice. From county bids to the same environment wasn't helpful for me. So I'm like, this five years parole shit is big. Like, I can't, I fuck this up. I'm going to be back in the mountains and repeating that cycle. Yeah. And that wasn't something that I wanted to to do. So I'm like, I got to remove myself from this environment, people, places, and things. And luckily for me, prior to coming home from prison, actually in the beginning of my bid, when I was in a balance program in, a, in the jail, Westchester County Jail, a program called the Doe Fund, Ready, Will, and Enable, came into the actual unit because we were having all types of outside agencies coming in to be an examples for like um, drug programs and CDL classes and um, vocational training. And mm-hmm. these guys from the Doe Fund actually were guys that were actually from prison themselves, but actually changed their lives and now have like 
um, jobs, like some were pest control guys and security guys, and some got culinary um, certifications. And they're now talking about how they're sustained with like homes and their family and their and their dogs and their mm-hmm. daughters are, co- are are cool now. And they were still down earth. They had jewelry on, like in the jail unit, like chains. I'm like, ah, right, this is cool. And the the main thing he said was, it's a year long program. That is drug free, alcohol free, curfew, and makes you work. And you can save money while they, for the year that you're there and come home with maybe like three, four, five thousand dollars, depending on how much you save. Mm-hmm. So I figured this is a perfect plan for me because I figured if I could have one year off parole and one year in the streets doing the right thing, parole to get off my back, and then I could probably still hustle a little bit on the side and make some good money. Mm-hmm. Cause I still always had the hustle mentality. Like it just, wouldn't leave me. So I figured, all right, I'm not going to ever nickel and dime again because of this, the level of the level that I am. The, 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 the exp- this from what I've, what I've gone through, like I can't stoop back to that level. You mm-hmm. understand? So if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do something. I'm going to move like units. You feel me? Like I'm going to supply the people that are supplying the little people. Mm-hmm. Like if you're selling dimes and 20s, I'm going to sell O's to you and pounds to you. And then you can sell the dimes and 20s. Yeah. I'd rather do that and get my money more in bulk and then less traffic, minimize traffic because traffic is how you get arrested and, mm-hmm. and get, you know. So that was still my mentality. Yeah. Offer like a separate phone for a couple hours, turn it off and on and like train people how to call that phone by always having great quality product, meaning like they're going to wait or they're going to get with the program because mm-hmm. the product is outstanding. Was that something that they were teaching you or is that something that you just brought to the table? That's something that I that? just knew and that's what yeah. I was going to, that's how I ran my drug operation. I knew I had integrity with it. Like I had made sure I had quality product. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't sell just, like I was in the streets with dudes that would just buy anything and sell anything based off of the units. Like I made $20, but $20 is trash. Now you made a sale, but that person's not going to come back no more. Mm-hmm. So what's that $20 worth? I'd rather have good product and let and probably make a hundred with this person and maybe a couple of transactions before they either get tired or something happens or maybe they can we make a couple hundred or one person and you do that with each person mm-hmm. then you have and you're, and you're respectful to the to their time yeah you get so there, you're already you you're thinking get about there. economies of scale on that right. side all but all while hustling and selling drugs yeah you know so the mentality was there like I've had, I've already I've been in blogs and I have like bios written on me and they they called it a misguided entrepreneur spirit. Yeah. But at that time. So kind of always was savvy with it, but I didn't know anything. Of, like the economics in high school was like the first little intro to that. But Yeah. I love that you say that too, that misguided entrepreneur spirit, because I feel like a lot of people have that, but they don't know what, where to channel that, how to channel it. No examples. They don't see it or they don't think they can do it. So you just bringing that to the table and you were telling me, on at the event that it kind of made sense to you because it was all kind of in the same units it was all there's a lot of parallels between selling drugs and then getting into the culinary side of things i'm gonna get into that with you yeah you know so like i like i didn't get to mention but so part of the game when that when i was in that whole hustling time period from like 16 to 21 like in the midst of that like i mastered the art of cooking cocaine like so i, I sold crack so in my neighborhood it was like not too many people that actually had it. It'd be a handful of dudes that probably went to New York City to get it and bring it back to the community because everyone wasn't able to just go to New York and just supply themselves like that. I'm pretty sure it's kind of like that where outskirts of probably Houston or certain area. Like either you're going to have somebody go to Houston and bring it out mm-hmm. to the suburbs or maybe a handful few can go to Houston and get into that type of arena, you know? But yeah. it wasn't like that. So let's say if the one person that goes out 
to the city and comes back with it, comes back with a bunch of garbage. Now he's supplying, everyone's dependent on him. So now the whole hood got garbage. And now the, the whole now the whole market is twisted. Mm-hmm. The customers are talking about it. Like everyone has garbage now. Like I've seen it through drugs. Like yeah. so it's like it made me want to cook my own product and represent and supply my own self and not and have something always different from everyone else. So I made I started buying cocaine and actually making sure I always have firework and just cook it up myself and have my own work. And I matched that chemistry and that art of doing it every which way. Like mm-hmm. on any type of heating mechanism, ice stove, forming grill. Like my, like microwave, you know, so hot pot. And I made a lot of bread doing that. So we were talking about the, the parallels of pastry arts. Because if you, you hear my story, it was always sales. Mm-hmm. It was always sales. I just needed a product. I needed a legal product. Yeah, you know, I was like, damn, I, I could sell my ass off. Yeah, because after legal, everything, you were on thin. I need legal product. Yeah, I just—that's what it was. And I was even—I had all types of ideas. I was even thinking about being a wholesaler and selling the things at the parades, like the little hats and the horns and the, the simple stuff like that. Like I didn't—I wasn't aware of the of a bigger world and a bigger market at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I when I stumbled into culinary arts, being in the dough fund. April 12, 2012 is when I watched my first cake get made from scratch. And like that's what changed my life because we were measuring sugar and flour on ounces and pounds on, on, on these scales. And I'm like, okay, like we're measuring. And then now we're mixing. And, and what really stuck to me was the, the chef Gino Del Sandro, a ready, willing, and able. He, he taught me the creaming method and the foaming method as opposed to just showing me a recipe. And, and the creaming method is when you when you mix butter and sugar together and the creams together, and then usually after that is um, eggs and vanilla. But the foaming method is when you have like more of a whisk attachment, and you get some sugar and eggs and you whip that together, and it's more of a liquid and it creates air because the air gets into the eggs and expands and creates like a foam because of the sugar's a liquid, so it breaks down into that. So those are two starts to like a good. 80, 90% of recipes, those two moves right there. Mm-hmm. Or like the former method is to start the brownies, is to start the carrot cake. The creamer method is to start to certain cakes and start the cookies and stuff like that. So that right there, this is the game opener. So I no longer needed recipes as far as directions. Mm-hmm. I just needed the amounts because I understood order, order of operations and ingredients. Yeah. It was a transition for me. I understood that this goes first, then after that, then this happens to create a final product. It's like a combination. One plus two plus three plus four gets this. But I can give you the same numbers, but if you mix them up, you're going to get a whole final number. Mm-hmm. And that's the final different product. That's why people bake different and have different results. Right. And that's when it clicked for you. Yeah, because it was like rookie of the year. Ever seen that movie rookie of the year? Bro, that's how my life was. That same day. I had the fast, but I had the, I had the arm after that. I was like Drake in the kitchen, bro. Like. Every recipe that I was touching blindly was a platinum hit. And being in Ready, Will, and Enable, I had a built-in audience of 400 men that were, that were creating dessert for them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm creating muffins and like um, cakes and brownies and cookies. So I'm trying new things, and everything I'm touching is a hit because I understand the order of operations. So the final product is coming out lovely. So now it's not just me telling it to myself. It's people coming up to the past because it's the kitchen with a past. And they're like, who made that red velvet cake? Who made those brownies? Who that stuff is good, B? And they're coming and they're starting a ruckus. And I started building a rep. So it was like, all right, this feels good. This is self-satisfaction. I could always hustle. Those people ain't never going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? like, and, But let's see what this culinary 
this culinary lifestyle was going to do for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's try this. And after that, I took my New York City food handlers for the Department of Health. 50 questions. I got a perfect score. 100. Really? Yeah, on food protection, temperatures, bacteria, and knowing how to process and handle food the correct way. Ace that shit. Then after that, I went to Kingsborough Community College and took a, a small culinary program that treated me like a full college student. I had a college ID, access to everything on the campus, such as voting, pantry. I was doing classes, um, um, academic classes, as well as culinary classes in their whole facility. And, and it was a 12-week course that would allow me to have 11 college credits for a CUNY. I mean, community college and mm-hmm. have first dibs on the culinary program, which is the number one in the country when it comes to community colleges. Like Kingsborough College has a number one. If you don't want to go to like a top culinary school, like a Johnson & Wells or a CIA or, you know, mm-hmm. Cordon Bleu. And um, that opened me up crazy. And just and I got a, um, a food processing permit, you know, a food processing certification as well as a surf safe so now now i got a national certification and food protection okay and out of like 80 questions only got four wrong so i got 95 on that which allows you to be a proctor for that i could teach that the test i could proctor the test so these are things that happened to me out the gate like my rookie year i'm coming out swinging like lebron like in the bacon field touching everything they're like yo you don't don't teach them how to cook just bake, you bake, and they just let me. The young boy, I'm a trainee. I'm, I got staff that's leading savory and and other parts mm-hmm. of the kitchen, but they like, nah, let and them they're bake. just throwing you up. The yeah, line. and they and they, and they gave me like a couple of months of just doing that to the point where I was like rookie of the year, going out to job, to the to job search. Mm-hmm. Did you have someone like instructing you and trying to teach you, or did you were you already like kind of on their level or getting? Nah, it so I had a mentor. I had a mentor's dude named um Pastry Pete. Um, he was cool. He used to show me certain things. A lot of things I was just, like I said, once you learn those fundamentals, it, everything kind of opens up. And then everything else was just so much passion because mm-hmm. I found my alternative to selling drugs and, and doing the things that I used to do with the similar feeling of it though. So I was still, I feel like I was kind of like getting my still, still getting my fix, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't doing something positive. So I'm head first, I'm head first into this, like giving it all my time and energy because I love it. I was already doing that. How did it how did it feel for you when you realized that this was something that you're really passionate about? I've been passionate about it since April 12, 2012, bro. Like I can't remember a day where people didn't compliment me for being passionate about it. And it started back in the first few weeks from after that time happened all mm-hmm. the way to, to now. I still got hype over it. Yeah. And you're a super passionate guy. And yeah, that's why it. we connected on at the event is because I'm the same way. You know, yeah. I get really into the stuff that I like doing. I want to tell everybody about it. I want to do the best job possible. I want to put out the best possible service or product or whatever it is. And there's nothing that I want to work on that I don't want to, I'm not passionate about. I don't want to work on stuff that I have no interest in. Exactly. And a lot of people get stuck doing that. Yeah, bro, you know how many people go to jobs that they hate? Like, people, somebody told me you're lucky that you go. You get you ought to do something you do every day. I said, nah, I, I earned this. I put work in to get here. I'm not lucky. I had jobs working nine to fives at restaurants and bakeries and hotels. I've done that before. Yeah. So it's not like And the first half of your story, no one I don't think would describe as lucky. 
Right now we're talking about that other half. Remember I told you that time part. This is that part. Yeah. And now I haven't sold any drugs since I came home from prison. There is no drug dealing on this side. Only pastry flipping. Mm-hmm. Like there's no shortcuts through the ups and downs, the gains and losses. I ain't go back and hustle. I ain't take no shortcuts. I'm talking about when I was down broke and having to figure it out. I ain't get picked no work up. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I could pick work up. Like yeah, but I haven't. I've, I've, st- I've remained true to myself. I understand the spiritual aspect of this journey as well, too. And I understand why I went to prison because I was already blessed with what I needed to get through what I was, with the situation I was at. And I was greedy and I went against the grain and I wanted more. So I understand it's the same equivalence now. That, that lesson will always remain with me because it's like I feel like selling drugs. Thinking I'm taking a shortcut, I could boost the business up by having something going on on the side, and nah, that's gonna be bad karma all through my operation. I don't even want that. We're not mixing that up, mm-hmm. for me? And that's how I keep my first taste incorporated going. Yeah, I love no it. No matter where I come from, no matter who I'm around, that's just the realness of this company. There's no shortcuts in it. Yeah. So I mean, if you had to put a label on it or say something to it, what is your passion? My passion. I'm a culinary chemist, bro. Like my passion is just. I feel like more if, if you want my passion to, if you want to access bacon is 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 creating product that creates happiness for people. Mm-hmm. Like you know how many memories and moments that I'm a part of that my hands created, like birthdays, baby showers. Yo, bro, I got videos of a client, one of the first clients. I'm talking about when I was still buying boxes from Michaels and supermarket cupcake liners and just. Still trying to just figure it out from like regular five pounds of sugar and supermarket eggs paying the high. You mm-hmm. feel me? And it's like people that was supporting from then there's one girl years later, probably like I'm about I've been doing this about four or five years now, the selling, but the company's about three years old. Mm-hmm. And she had a, a mother figure that was like the lady that raised her as a mother. And she just recently moved to Florida, my friend. And now she's like, yo, my mother's birthday is, I will, she likes lemon meringue pie. I don't even sell lemon meringue pie, but I'm fully capable of making it. And I made a super gourmet meringue pie for that lady mm-hmm. because I was paid for it and asked for it. And I literally, literally hand-delivered that pie to this lady in New York for my friend that was in Florida. And I was supposed to bring it to her church on her birthday. But unfortunately, she was sick. Mm-hmm. And she had cancer. And... She was good at first, but brought the pie to her and actually videotaped it and recorded the whole moment and saying, like, yo, this is from such and such. And she was like, oh, she said, like, something very funny. And um, I recorded it and she said, thank you, bought her some balloons and went up and sent the video to Florida. And that was like, yo, the girl was like, yo, you really just made my whole day just seeing her smile, hearing her happy while I'm in Florida and she's in New York. Like, that was love. And literally later, that lady passed away two months later. And that girl has that video that I created at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is how I'm in people's lives. Like that deep. Like I got people that are getting engaged in Central Parks with my cupcakes and stuff like that. Yeah. Like certain little moments, like first birthdays. Like that's what I'm creating. Like yeah, it's awesome that you can be a part of those people's lives and have them curate that experience for them and help have those moments Bro, for other people in other people's lives. And that's literally just one or two I just named. I, it's so many I could keep going on, and then. It started off as culinary arts. See, I started working in the... My, my first job was the Panko Tidding as a dishwasher, porter prep. And I'm going to talk about that real quick because there might be some people listening that want to get into the culinary industry. And I want to talk about not getting like um, swindled into those positions where they're like, hey, let's start from the bottom and work your way up. Those are sometimes cool, but sometimes those are traps. And like, they had me as a dishwasher, porter prep, two-man job, 
one income, you know, and I felt like I know I should be starting from the bottom coming in, but I'm over here kicking ass and baking in the dough funnel. You got me washing dishes. I got a higher score on my my food handlers than your your, your floor manager. Mm-hmm. Like what? Like I'm like, where do y'all make this product at? I then I discovered commissary kitchens in New York. They have places where they produce outside and then they bring the product to the retail locations because most retail location spaces are either not permitted to, for the type of equipment that it would take to produce or just not enough space. Yeah. So they might get something in like Queens across the river and just shoot it to Manhattan with trucks every morning and the first thing smoking. That's usually how the operations work. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, well, send me over there where they're making the stuff from scratch. I'll go do that. And yeah. they're like, nah, it's a little bit pop political over there. It's usually family. So I went back on job search on my off days silently. Mm-hmm. I off during the week. I'm on job search. I got Rosaro's Bakery. So I got to learn different business operations. Then I ended up going into the Dauphin hiring me to teach, which was kind of dope because I was a student there. And I worked in the industry after working Savory and Bouchon Bakery for Thomas Keller Rockefeller Center next to the Christmas tree. Every underground day, the ice skating ring. That was big stage. Mm-hmm. Um, Good Day America's right outside. Carson Daly. Um, these guys are right outside the window. So I'm, I got into that environment. And that was super stellar. Then I got hired by the Doe Fund to actually go teach. And it was like, I know what that curriculum is like, but now I know what to actually teach y'all because I can give y'all industry expertise. I know what the industry really requires. Mm-hmm. So I was bringing that flavor. And I got friends to this day that are older than me that still tell me about knife skills and how they have culinary jobs that I taught them. Things that like seven years ago. Older guys that ago. you taught. Guys older than me. Yeah. For sure. Ready too. Guys in their 40s, pushing 50s, still working. For sure. Uh-huh. Ages just, age just stay the mind, my brother. Yeah, I want to go back to something that you said just a minute ago, talking about you moving out of that position because you knew that you could do more in another position. For sure. And that's talking about knowing your worth. Like sure. you knew, you knew what you were worth. You knew what you could bring to the table, and you didn't let anybody really like nah. suppress if, that nah. and move move you down and keep you in in a spot. Nah, despite because everyone else has done that or they paid their dues or like you said it's political right and so knowing your worth a lot of people don't know how to take advantage of that and you did well one thing i could say is um the dauphin had a really really good job development program and prior to 2011 i didn't know about a, what a cover letter was bro and i have no resume I ain't had no job experience besides the stop and shop job that only lasted three months. Mm-hmm. So they kind of taught me how to have a resume and a cover letter that super made sense, how to make my um, time spent make make sense yeah. and just describe my culinary expertise and show me how to actually talk about my criminal background. Like that's a big thing too. Most people don't know how to do that. Like they get to the point, hey, you got any um, criminal backgrounds, you got any felonies, and a lot of people freeze and you get nervous because if you don't have the experience yeah. of talking to it, that kind of makes it even worse. So they taught me that by having mock interviews with like executives and corporate people that were volunteering their time and it'd be like a real big thing mm-hmm. and you have to learn how to talk and they'll give you all the feedback like, hey, stop rocking. That preparation goes so far. Bro, that should help a lot. That should help a Cause lot. Because I, I had that when I was at Texas Tech, they had something similar in their career development yeah, the mock program. Interviews, yeah. They do mock interviews. They have the the ladies in the the business school do right. them, and then they have people come in at the real strangers, real people, and they're they're the actual the people that you would be interviewing with anyway if you wanted to interview for them. Yeah, and you sit down with them and talk to them, and you prep, and you straight up sometimes. I mean, you're super young. You don't know. You're Bro, those situations are tough. I was twenty five. I was twenty five at the time. Up. Now, facts, and that really helped. So, and I also learned to not 
ask, are you hiring? I learned to do research and find something. Like, I had to have a niche with my criminal background. Like, I had to figure out something else to create value. So I was like, we all got smartphones. This is about 2012 at the time. Mm -hmm. So going into 2013. And I'm like, we all got smartphones. Google's a click away. Why I can't just Google this restaurant or this building or this business and find out who owns it, when did it start, what's their flagship product, and just anything specific that they do. To now utilize and go into, I could like at the time it was a lot more walking still. It was like the end of the walking era before it got so much shoot your resume online. But mm -hmm. walk in, actually speak to a hiring manager. And instead of saying, hey, are you hiring? Or asking, are you hiring? You say, excuse me, but I want to work for you. Now, that right there, that question, I want to work for you, separates you automatically from whoever else has walked in throughout this whole day. You're just not separated. Mm -hmm. And when they ask you, what do you mean by that? Now, you hit them with everything you Google. Hey, ever since Corey started this podcast and this year, I see the views has been crazy and it's affecting this type of audience and it's really inspiring this type of crowd and I want to be a part of something like that because this is what I do. So now if I come in and tell you that without you telling me that, you're going to be impressed. I don't care who you are, felonies or not. And that usually gets you a job quicker than someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's what I teach my students. And anything to set you apart really does you right. a favor. right. Which is exactly what you did. Right. So that's that's something I teach my students to this day, that move, because I feel like it's really drastic. I, and I'm going to give you a real life experience of going into a, a mock interview. I, damn, I wish I remembered the company, but it was a big company on Park Avenue. I had to get a face scan and all of that just to go in with the sliding doors, like real Manhattan stuff. And um, we get up there and I, I Googled who the um, CEO and the CFO was and I had their names and I didn't know we were going to sit with the CEO the CEO. And we're sitting there talking, and he mentions his name, and I forgot. It's such a long time at this point, but I'm like, are you so-and-so? He's like, yeah, I am. I'm like, wow, yeah, um, I heard about you. And the other one, I mentioned the CFO, he's like, wow. I was like, yeah, your flagship, your flagship product is such and such something that I actually have read. Mm -hmm. He was highly impressed. He was like, you know, he's like, you know more than the FBI. What are you with the feds? <laughs> this, this real professional executive Park Ave business guy is like, Yo, what are you with the feds? He's like, you know more than guys that are applying for the job. And by him telling me that as someone that's really in the field that did not know I was coming, that wasn't doing nothing but engaging with us, mm -hmm. let me know that that was the winning tactic. And I still like to this day. Yeah. And I talked on either the last recording or the one before that with a guy, he does a lot of just walk because he has a fitness business that he approaches apartment complexes and does like fitness training for residents and stuff like that for them. So a lot of his stuff is going up to these apartment managers or the leasing offices and stuff and just saying, trying to pitch their business, right? But a lot of it also is knowing a pain point in their, their uh, community and immediately just saying, something of value and saying, Hey, I can offer this. This would benefit you because of this way. Let's try and work something out. And that's kind of the same thing that you were doing when you were approached these guys and you said, Hey, I know what I'm talking about. I know about your business. I can help somehow, some way. Bingo. And, yeah. Bingo. Whether it's just passion and you're willing to teach because most, most restaurants and places are willing to show, no matter what you know, where you've been, they're going to show you what they do. Mm -hmm. They're not just going to rely completely on you coming in and just make it magic like how you knew because that's not their system. Yeah. So they're not just going to let you do that nine times out of ten. Mm -hmm. And I like that you, you brought up, like you added like you, the value point. 
and I talk a lot about value. I say it more than <laughs> probably anything else on this show, but it's such it's a term that I want to broaden the definition of because when you think value, depending on you know where you're at, you think what something's worth. Like what you get on Facebook, something's worth five dollars on the marketplace or whatever. That's yeah. that's value to someone. But value is such a bigger term. It's such a bigger term. Because value is in what your value is in your relationships. Value is what it is to your company, to your business, to the people around you. There's value is so many other things. Right. And you brought it. Tell me more about what happened when those execs. Well, it was just it was just that. for one. It was just letting me know because I'll be real with you, man. If we're talking about the topic of just reentry and coming back into society from incarceration, it's usually a transition point where, especially if you're not used to being in that other world that 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 employment world even if it's entrepreneurship or that school world then you are just living a street life it's a transition like like this on a, or just on a side note they had us take an na narcotic anonymous classes because of being drug dealers but i actually utilized it for the opposite results like you got the drug addict of course but you also have the opposite, which is the dealer being addicted to the lifestyle. So there's that same type of withdrawals going on when it comes to the guys that had a lifestyle that were making money, that were being able to blow money at a certain rate and do certain things, and that is trying to do a nine to five, which is giving them pennies of what they were doing in a certain moment. So it was like, Mm -hmm. that's hard, bro. Yeah. And that's very very hard for a lot of people, and they try, and if it doesn't come, it's easy as some people may want or in the manner that they're looking for it and there's other options people break mm-hmm. and I don't know go back. and that's really what happens like I've been there my damn self so I know you had to you had to set you had to create some value bro you had to create some value like you were saying and I, I, I mentioned that because I was talking about how just those first two years when you don't really have much accomplished like before I got the certificates and before I got into the programs and you're just coming home with that felony no job experience it's like you gotta really show and prove because there's people that are just not even trying to hear you. Mm-hmm. Like it's real like that. Like I remember a point where I would have to beg someone to do something, or they would just have me wait and thinking that was the process and this oppressive shit. Like you feel me? And 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 to be ill, sometimes it's from my own people, you know, that had jobs and certain placements like yeah. that. And it's just I remember couple years after that just being a little bit more productive starting to accomplish certain things and standing out how now not necessarily the same people but people in these same positions are now running to do things for me because they're saying this is somebody that's doing something mm-hmm. I guess because I showed them I'm actually working but it's a little harder on the bottom because there are a lot of knuckleheads but there are people trying to try but if you let the, the knucklehead spoil it for the bunch and you're thinking everybody's an asshole and a dickhead and you're not trying to really hear what they're saying there's going to be some people that's going to struggle. I just was fortunate to be one of the stronger, more resourceful ones. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it's hundreds of people that came through the dough from when I was there and just didn't make it. Yeah. You know, that look back on me now and tell me like, yo, you was baking men. You still, you did everything. You, you know, people have told me I've done everything I said I was going to do that might have like not seen me for three or four years. Like, shit is crazy, bro. Yeah. And that's good, falling through with your work because you can say, I'm doing some baking. I'm doing high-end stuff. I'm working my way up. But then if you don't actually have the skills or the quality in the product, the actual anything that you're actually saying and you can't back it up, then it's just you're not you're gonna fall flat on your face. But talking to, tell me what makes someone successful what separates success versus failure in your eyes? 
success is just not giving up, I feel like. Success is just hitting it until you get it. Like, success is realizing that you may not get it to the fifth, sixth time, the fifth or the sixth time. Like, a lot of this stuff, core is just like how you, it's like mental health, half this stuff, and coping mechanisms. Like, mental health is real half of this battle, dealing with fears. Like, fears don't exist. I don't, I think fear is a curse word, personally. I deal with faith. I don't deal with fear. So, it's really a mind state. Like, I get people that talk this entrepreneur stuff and how they want to do this, but they, they use this fear word so hard, and it's like, it is not going to mix. The, the root word of entrepreneur is risk taker. I was risking the shit out of my life selling drugs with weapons and large amount of, of product that could change my life and, and just finish my life. So I was really risking my life every day in, in, in a comfortable manner. So now risking my life by just having my bank account low or just something like, I don't know, something like that, that it doesn't scare me. Like, mm-hmm. it's not as scary. Like, I don't know. It's not because I understand hustle. I understand my credibility. I understand my name. Like I, I could get, like no, like I understand I got support and resources and how to make a dollar. You could say, yeah. for people who are afraid to take a different step or the next step, what's your advice for them? Or if they need to get out of a situation, make a change. What's your advice for the people that need to do something different or want to do something different? Just start it, man. Like talk, start start talking to people, start traveling, start stepping out of your circumference, like. Nine times out of ten, if you're with people that's bringing you down, like, that's by choice. Like, you got to separate that stuff. Like, there's so many people that I know that want to do different. They want to do better, but they still got the people around them pulling them back in the trenches. And it's like, that'll never work unless mm-hmm. you separate yourself from that being. And sometimes that's your family. Sometimes it's your loved ones. We're going to just label that as liabilities and assets, my brother. And you got to, once you understand liabilities and assets, the real definition of that, and you can understand even your your family, your, your mother can be a liability to what you're doing sometimes, and that's real. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, you got to understand. Just because your family doesn't mean they aren't It toxic. doesn't mean they're not toxic, and it doesn't mean you don't have to put them in a position. I'm not saying cut them off, but put them in a position where what they do doesn't affect you. You know? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying this isn't working. This relationship's not good right now. This is a toxic for thing. For real, bro. I need to focus on me. I need to do what's right for me. Because like, nine times out of ten, if it's come to that, you've already done a mile and a half for the other person anyway. And nine times out of people too, nine times out of ten, bro, people got friends that's using them, doing mischievous things. You can hear the conversations with people. Like, I don't even let people call me with it. Yo, let me tell you about this person, and this person said this, and this person fucked me over, and this shit is fucked up. I don't even want those calls. Because it's so, it's too much negativity not yeah, coming to my world. I don't, I don't have that much negativity in my life based off how I move. You feel me? I don't have drama and problems. I just have work to do. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't even allow that to come in let alone to engage in that shit. Yeah, and since I moved to Austin, my majority of my friends, and they're all people who want to grow personally or in their businesses and stuff like that, and that's the group of people that I told myself a few years ago when I had some stuff happen to me. I said, I need to surround myself with the people that I want to be like, that I want to be with, who who are going to help me grow, help me develop, and help me achieve my goals. And part of that is me wanting to help others, so that just goes hand in hand. But you're saying the right thing. Perfect. I mean, well, surround I, yourself with people that are going to help you grow. And I don't believe in limits, bro. Like, once you take that fear out, everything is possible. It's just figuring out the combination of events that it takes to accomplish it. Yeah. And it really is. It, it's like Newton's law of motion applies to how your life is going. 
If Literally. you're if you're not doing anything, you're not gonna go anywhere. Right. But the moment you start making better decisions, that's right. a little bit of momentum. That's a little bit of energy. You start hanging out with better people, that's a little bit of momentum. That's a little bit of energy. You start you buy a a boom and a mic off Amazon because you wanted to start a podcast and you're tired of just thinking about it. So you just hit record, press play, and now you have guests on. That's a little bit of momentum. That's a little bit of energy. And everything starts snowballing down downhill. And before you know it, a year later, you're somewhere that you only thought of or saw someone else doing. Facts. You got to ride the wave of this stuff, too. I talk about that, too, as well. Learning how to ride the way of life. Don't go against it. Sometimes it's ups and downs, and you just got to roll with the punches, man. And, yeah, and, and I like to say have a bounce-back mentality. Go For into sure. it with a bounce-back mentality. And you talking about half of it is the mental battle. It really is. Yeah. And that was the first thing. If, if you're looking to make a change, you need to start by reading books, yeah. reading how these people think, reading what they do. Start establishing some routines. For sure. Get mentally strong. and start Because if, if you take a step and you don't, have that foundation and you hit a roadblock, you're going to stop. You're going to fail. You're going to cry. You're going to fearful anxiety. You're going to go nowhere. But once you have that mentality and you have heard and seen and read about what other people have gone through and what it took to actually get there, then you can kind of apply that to your own life and begin to move forward with what you want to do. Yeah. And having that bounce back mentality, you can't fail because everything's a learning experience. Everything that. is a learning experience, not a losing experience. And that's where people have it fucked up at. People think each time you attempt something and didn't accomplish it was a loss. Now it was a little bit more that you learned. You learned a little bit more each time. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's, you get closer and more sufficient each step until you can accomplish it. Like people just want to have patience. It's a, that's what I'm saying. It goes into the middle of patience, self control, emotions, drive. Like you see the qualities just being in the world with people. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And when you having conversations, as like I'm super driven and I'm an entrepreneur. Sometimes people make me feel like I'm just doing the most, and I'm like, this is the shit I'm supposed to be doing. Like this is. Yeah. But then they wonder why I'm in the places that I'm in and how I'm doing the things that I'm doing because it's just this drive. And yeah. You want to put it together. And we talked about it at the event talking about. People think you just you just arrived there. You were given something that you didn't. You're an overnight success or whatever. Know, that's a, there's a lot of that out there, and they that's forget not true. This. That's not true. You went through the struggle. You went through it. Five years parole, category one, bro. Ankle bracelet for two years, all while working. Mm-hmm. Like slipped into a depression for a month because I had a job and that had me working the whole midday with a nine o'clock curfew. I'm getting off at nine. Got to go straight home to the morning. So I felt like I was getting, I was, I was working in a restaurant to go back to like my cell or something, and it was giving me depression. Yeah, and I, I yeah. fought through all of that shit, bro. Like it's a lot of little parts. Like that, this that that's why I'm being so rewarded. That's why I'm being rewarded, rewarded so heavily now mm-hmm. because this is one of those like you survived the storm kind of situation. And now you're probably so grateful that you made it out of that because you had grateful. every excuse and every example that you probably had was nah. Why? I still got people that are still trapped into the into that lifestyle that haven't figured. I got a lot of friends that's that's in the feds. People that's never come home. People that's doing stretches like. And it's just blessed because it's like I'm just blessed to be where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of dudes, man, that 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 we were in the same place that just let me know that they're inspired and if I could do it, they can do it. Like that's yeah, that's the purpose. Yeah. And I put out something last week on Facebook. I said, Hey, there's like a month left in the decade. Send me send me your goals. Send me what you want to accomplish. Tell me what you want to do next year, get done before this year ends. And I got two comments. 
Man, I got two comments. And what I'm getting at is people, sometimes people just aren't ready to be helped or to do the things that they want. And I read something good. Someone told me it was like, um, personal growth. Growth happens when you're tired of your own shit. Talk about it. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm big on that. So I was like, I get, like, you can't keep doing the same thing. Like, like there's times where I've been a late for big, big events, and it's like, I hated that feeling. Let's not let that happen again. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you may take an L. You may, something may fall through that you wanted. And it's like, wow. Like, I know not to, hopefully, you know not to make that mistake again, but some people don't, bro. Yeah. And a lot of that goes back into getting complacent. You're comfortable with where you're at. You're not getting uncomfortable. Very comfortable. You're not stepping out that box. Getting out of the box. box. Yeah, you're not taking any risks. Where I'm at's good. It's gonna get me where I am. Where I kind of where I think I want to be. And I'm gonna I'm gonna um so we're compromise here and there for this and that. And they're not really gonna chase anything because they're they don't want to step out of that box. They don't want to get uncomfortable. I think somehow we gotta learn how to maybe maybe they they already know how people do, but I think. Being able to instruct people of how to like get into that development development mind state. Like I have a development mind state, meaning like I know in five years I'm going to be smarter and more sufficient than I am today. Mm-hmm. I know in three months I'm going to be smarter and more sufficient than I am today. Yeah, I don't want to recognize the person I am now a year from now. Right, you understand? So I, there's no such thing as being content. I know there's going to be things that I don't know how to do now that I know I'm going to know how to do in six months from now. Mm-hmm. Like that's development. Yeah. Some people say I'm never going to do that. That's too much. I don't want to know technology. I don't want to learn how to cook. I don't want to learn the guitar. I don't want to learn how to cut my own hair. I'm going to just go to the barbershop forever and spend them like it's just certain things that you could be doing like i don't want to learn how to paint a picture it looks too hard or yeah i don't know yourself. how to do that or they're they already famous everything they touch turns to gold that's bs bro that's all bs that's all like distractive off it's the that one percent every day you yeah. get one percent better that compounds you double a penny every Super day compounds. you got like i can't remember looking like at millions the- of dollars at the end of 30 days you compound a penny you're looking Every at the day. results of that. I'd be looking back with some of my older... I was looking at one of my older interviews yesterday, and it looked at the little crazy. I remember being super proud of it at one point. And it looked at the little crazy. I'm like, sheesh. Because I'd be looking at my... I'm like, I look at my interviews now, and I'm out there looking like like ESPN, Sports Center now. Like, you feel me? But, Draft day. Yeah, but now, I was like, <laughs> back then, I was like, yeah, that's development that we talked about, though, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's talk back on that value, though, because, like... I'm real big on like speaking in like prisons and just like going to schools. Like I got two schools and one in Queens and one in Brooklyn that I'm doing this month for Thanksgiving. Um, and just being an example of speaking these kids' language. That's awesome. You know, because that. everything that I did in my street life was authentic. Everything that they doing, like I touched everything on that. Like it's not much that I wasn't doing at that point in my life that's going on now. So for like I said, for me to transition from that to this, and I still get the respect in my hometown. I could go home. Like mm-hmm. I'm good. I don't got no beef for nobody. Like my community supports me. They proud of me. Um, my paperwork's good. Like meaning I ain't ever rat on nobody. I ain't touch nobody kids. Like I'm straight up real dude. So I get that love back. So I could go to other communities and speak validly, and they're gonna respect it because there's no there's no holes in my story. Like you mm-hmm. feel me? So. I use yeah, that when you can wholeheartedly advantage. tell your story without you knowing there's something that might slip me up. Yeah, like people. people like yo, we heard about you, man, Rob, but Rob said you wasn't really like that. Like, you feel me? Like, <laughs> it's that small. Like, you know what I'm saying, so you don't really you want to make it authentic. And you know? um, that's what I give back to these kids and just be an example. And a lot of them they get hype off. Like I remember being in the 
and Queen's Transition Center, and they paid me to do like a um a baking demo. They when I say paid, they bought all the ingredients. They didn't pay me like compensate for the time. Uh-huh. I gave back that day, and I literally had to figure out how to. I had fifty minutes window periods, and I had to make desserts with a class that from start to finish. I literally was making cupcakes, twenty minute bake off, cool ice up right before they walk out, and I had to figure out on the fly how to engage fifteen students and not lose their attention. By letting them start having side conversations, high schoolers, some of them are coming back from weed breaks, all of that. And I'm like, all right, yo, you crack these eggs real quick. Yo, you come here, scale this flower out. Mm-hmm. You, so you attach this random. Right. So now I got a more point because they don't know if I'm a calling one or not. So now <laughs> I kind of got their attention a little bit. First, I, I did my job to maintain that. And I'm randomly engaging. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching at the same time. And one of the kids walked in and I said to another one, hey, let me get 28 grams of of cocoa powder because we're making red velvet and the kid said 28 grams you're speaking my language now because that's the ounce uh-huh. and it's like this is the things that captivate them so now i'm taking that 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 right there that yeah. would be able considered to relate and directly with them into a positive and something positive mm-hmm. that's what we out here doing bro yeah and they, I, they get, now they're learning about how to transition with all that attention, that, that attention, that misguided shit that the music and the videos and the movies and social media put, mm-hmm. put, put a TV put out there for these kids to misguide them. Yeah. It kind of brings them back mm-hmm. into a reality of what that really is. And that's awesome for them because they got to see it actually happen in real life. They didn't just saw, see someone who's already famous, already doing it, already on a much higher level doing it. And then oh, I can't really like that. I can't do all that. I'm not. Gordon Ramsay, whatever, bacon, whatever. And you were able to actually put that in their hands, have them do it, and show them exactly. And they was walking out the classroom, eating, busting down yeah. fresh red velvet cupcakes, yeah. sending more people, baby, with a cupcake. It was crazy that day. I actually got orders from teachers from that, just having a good experience. And, yeah. you know, that's how it works, bro. You got you to gotta have a good experience. Yeah. I sell experiences. And I'm sure they remember that. Of course. Some you of the know. students, I got people who turn into seniors and graduate and they go on, but they remember they, they, they junior year or senior year when Chef Fresh came in and kicked it with them and took pictures and sat at the cool kids table with them and chilled and talked you know, talk that talk with them. Yeah. So talk some more about, did you experience any like doubters, haters coming up? I mean, what was some of the, the feedback on the negative side and how did you deal with that? On the negative side, bro, man. And I know you talked about not letting it in. Negative side. I wouldn't even say the haters was of a, 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 a much of a problem because I don't really let people could like have that much control in my life to, mm-hmm. to be able to manipulate certain shit. I would say more that of, of getting over the adversity of life was more of the yeah. bigger problems, like riding the waves of having to move and. Losing your job unexpectedly and having to go on job search. Like, I was, yo, bro, it was times I lose my job on a Tuesday. And with the fire resume that I had and the way I could shoot it like lottery. So my mindset was to go on, like, Indeed or Craigslist or something like that. And I find, like, 20, 30, 40 listens. And I would create high odds for myself by just, like, the more that I hit, I feel like I'm increasing my odds. Mm-hmm. And over 20, I was averaging three interviews. You know what I mean? Yeah. So within like 48 hours, I had like two, three interviews. Like I remember shooting. So I can see the business side in you because you know your numbers. Yeah. Like I remember <laughs> shooting an interview on Friday and it was the evening. So they all went out and they didn't hit till Monday. And by I went to work Monday 
from the morning to the from nine to five. I closed out with three emails saying, yo, come into this restaurant, come in. And I was like, yo, we talking about two felonies here. Mm-hmm. We talk about two-time felon here. We talk about places like Parker Remit, Parker Meridian, Tau. We talk about Upland, Stephen Star restaurants, like in New York City, like prime, prime location. So it was like, like what's stopping you, bro? Like this is divinity right here that I'm displaying. This is early. This is before the business. Uh, this mm-hmm. is just the the employment journey. Yeah, you know. And like I said, just just knowing how to cope with that because it was some serious times where I knew. If I don't put this work in, I'm going to be in a fucked up position where I don't want to be in. Yeah. And I don't want to be in a fucked up position. So let me do something about it. Mm-hmm. That's my mentality as well. Yeah. The development, the growth. We talked about getting tired up. of the fuck up. You get Sometimes you got to sit in the hot water and be like, you know what? I ain't never sitting in that shit again. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I'm going to take my time right now, but I ain't. Joe kind of taught me that too. But I ain't never doing this shit again. I, I felt this. And now when it comes again, you think like, I actually teach like that. Yeah. I teach with, um, like, when someone fucks up, I feel like they need to, you need to call them out on that. You need to bring it to their attention. Some people are evasive when it comes to that type of stuff. Yeah. Or feel like they're getting defensive and denial when you actually want to, just like, just, you can say critique, you can say talk to them about their performance uh-huh. and, and something. Yeah. And like, that's important, bro, because, oh, man. No, I'll, I'll bring, I'll bring an example of that one. So I grew up, I love ba- playing basketball. Like I played basketball in high school. And you were telling me, Texas, Texas. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do it in college. I wasn't that good, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played a lot. I still play a lot. I love playing basketball, but going back to it, basketball practice. So we're running plays, we're running drills and stuff. You're doing offensive drills, right? And you got to run the play correct. Our coach was pretty harsh, and he would stop the whole play. Oh, yeah. And he, the one person that messed it up, everyone, it could have gone perfect all the way up to the last second. If you mess up at all, call you out by name, get in your face, in front of everybody. And that's kind of it, what that That's how that you feels. learn that high you, seat. Like, I do not want to get yelled yeah. at again. I do not want to have everyone see me fuck high up again. High stakes. That's how kitchens were. That's how rest of color of is. You don't want to be the yeah. joke. Because when it comes game time. Right. If you mess up, that's done. Turnover. Right. They score, thing. whatever. You burn this shit, you fucking shit up. Like the whole kitchen. So I, I came up in kitchens that would like like smoke you, bro. When I say smoke you, I mean like joke on you, like like tear you up. Like here come the fake ass baker and had a whole kitchen just laughing through your whole work yeah, day. And roasted. Roast you the whole day. And it just kept me on point like that would not happen i'm gonna make sure i'm dropping fire and in the same way like even in the restaurant industry working with like justin smiley like he's a he's a he's a he's he's a definitely a top um top executive chef in the country and he's a good guy because i say he knows how to say good morning on a nice day you get some chefs that are just pure assholes no matter what's going on Mm -hmm. but when it's cool Justin, how you doing, man? Yeah. Pleasure. But when the, when it's dinner time and it's the prime peak hours and the and shit is fucking up, you're going to get a whole nother man and just understand this business not personal. Yeah. And most people take it personal. And that's what you got to understand, too. There's a difference. Like, when you want to yeah. clock and there's money you involved, gotta, it's turn business, it not personal. You don't care about your feelings. None of that other shit, like, is serious. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to turn the video on. But keep... Yeah, ain't no crying. Like, so I've, I've seen people crying in the kitchen. He's talking to me like this, and you know, so, but it works for certain people, and it works for certain people. Like, for me, I could be in a kitchen where I'm, like, the worst one in the kitchen, because that motivates me to become better than, like, increase with the people that's around me. But I see people that can be the worst in the kitchen, and it intimidates them, and they're like, I don't want to be here, I don't think I belong, and that's another mind state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're still walking around with your tail between your legs. 
after that. I'm motivated to catch. That's I'm motivated to. I'm motivated to catch mentality. up. Yeah, I'm motivated to get on their level. Like yeah. I want to. I'm here, so I need to belong One here. Back to forward. That's my. That's so I learned to identify with those type of mindsets and, and just work with them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what was what's been the most rewarding? You talked a little bit about having the experiences with these people, curating a lot of love for people's families and events and things like that. What has been the most memorable moment for you in all this? Honestly, I just had my most memorable moment. I feel like um, two weeks ago, I just did a big speech at Cipriani for the Dauphin. And I had a 13-minute um, speech just telling my backstory in, in front of 300 people that paid $1,000 a ticket. And we're talking about one of the most prestigious restaurants in New York City, Cipriani on 42nd Street, that actually, like, I actually had to show, I actually got an opportunity to showcase my carrot cake cookies and my blue velvet cupcakes in the building and like my family was there, had my baby there, like some of my close friends was there and I rocked that shit. But I dedicated it to my aunt that passed away a year ago, my Titi Wendy. And like it was just that was one of my biggest stages. Prior to that, I had cupcakes at the NFL alumni brunch the NFL alumni brunch this February that just passed in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of industry stuff. A lot of celebs have had my product. That's some of the most rewarding things, like just Going from like seeing people on TV and different places, like like catering the whole Black Ink, like or like being at the MTV VMA events and Yandy's coming up, and Yandy actually made a whole letter for my daughter's mother, like when she was pregnant and just told her about having a daughter, and like this is like one of the stars of Love and Hip Hop, and um one of Jay Z's first interns back in yeah. early two thousand, so. Like, it's just, it's tons of people. Like, Lawrence Fishburns, I've met Lorenz Tate. Housewives of New Jersey, I've met on, like, three or four occasions. I've been to one of Jennifer, Jennifer Aiden's house, like, in, <laughs> in Paramus. Like, it's a lot. Like, and just like I said, these are, we're still talking about that kid that if y'all was listening to the first part of this podcast that came through all them circumstances, and it is now, this is where I'm at now in front of these type of audiences, in front of these type of professionals. Like, mm-hmm. I, I discovered corporate networking, like, pro, like programs like BNI. Um, the SHRM, the Society of Human Resource Management, where it's totally just like elite executive people, like accountants, bankers, lawyers, commercial brokers, um, chiropractors, people that have their own dentist suites and stuff like that. And I learned how to like build relationships with these people and, and now have, these are now my friends. And we're talking about value now. Now, when you have friends that have podcasts or friends that are like tech savvy and stuff like that, now you know how to utilize them in other situations, especially if you have a business mind. Because mm-hmm. like, oh, there's a need here? Oh, because that's what being not taught me a lot about having to ask. Like, somebody could literally say, if we're in a room of 60, how you doing? I'm such and such. This is what I do to the, this is what I bring to the table. And I'm I'm looking for, I'm trying to meet Puff Daddy. Trying to meet Pete Diddy. Out of 60 people, somebody probably know Diddy. Somebody probably know him or probably a person away from him. Like it's just, it's just about having that value and that, just that connection. Mm-hmm. But it's not impossible. Yeah, no, it's not and, impossible. and it, that's a good example of the people that you want to get in front of are usually not too many connections away. Right. I, I can't remember. It's like every person in the world is like six degrees of separation away. Yo, if sixty somehow. people came in, depending like if sixty execs in New York came in, there's a high chance of at least. One or two of them was probably with a celebrity within the 24 hours before they got there. Someone that's somewhere were famous on TV, some yeah, type one of, of them. something. Yeah, one of them, at least. Break phone call, something. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of personal relationships and things of that nature. So, I thrive off that, bro. When now they bring me into their jobs, like Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Ernst and Young. Like my first mentor was a finance guy, Ernst and Young, and that was a hell of an experience too, man. Like just being in that, that. 
that different environment, bro. Just seeing like corporate, like coming from the hood and now putting me in like the corporate world and seeing just alternative living. That 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 played a pivotal part of my life too. Just mm-hmm. understanding there's another way of living. Yeah, we gotta t- I teach that too because that's a problem for people. They don't understand this communities and lifestyles and cultures outside of where they're at like you know Mm -hmm. give us some advice on what is the right way to grind to work hard and to put yourself out there because there's a lot of things that you can do that are not really productive and people just get caught up with busy work maybe because they're afraid to actually take the real steps yeah that it takes so talk on real quick what you think it the right way to grind is first and foremost be confident in what you do that's what I'm, I'm, I feel comfortable saying that's the first one. Be confident in what you do. Whatever your craft or services, exude extreme confidence in it. Because I've, I've come up as the little fish to the table with the biggest bark because of the confidence in this big goods that I have, the confidence in my product. And they're like, oh, this guy's that much a believer. We got, let's give him a shot. You, you know, you can create those opportunities. But if you come into hesitant and you low grading yourselves, like, Oh, you could try my cupcakes, but they're okay. Like, I don't know. Like, they should be good. Like, you can't talk like that. Yeah. You're going to be like, I'm about to change your life. <laughs> That's how I talk. You feel me? Like, yeah. oh, you never had a carrot cake cookie? Oh, I'm about to change your life right now. I'm about to get your first one. Mm-hmm. I bring hype and excitement. They be like, oh, shit. I kind of like bring them with me. Yeah. Kind of like pick, lift them off their feet. But that's what I bring in. Just relationships, communication, being able to listen, understanding what they're looking for. Um... No one want to say no. Understanding the needs of... Understanding the needs is... Understanding who your customer is like. So when I came into the game, when I decided to create Fresh Taste Bakery from just working nine to fives in the restaurant industry, I created a company that would compete with Sprinkles, Magnolia Bakeries, Baked by Melissa, Crumbs. Like, these are the bakeries that are in New York City that are on Lexington Avenue that I was walking down the street with my printed resumes that day, trying to get a job. Mm -hmm. And these are all of the high-end spots down there. And I'm like, okay... So this is what it's like. Yeah. So this is the level. This is New York City. This is the level. So I, I, I did all the price researching, and I realized there are people selling cupcakes, $39 a dozen, $42 a dozen, $51 a dozen, Georgetown cupcakes and places like that. So there are people paying that. And mm-hmm. I, you see people that want to sell cupcakes at $15 a dozen, $20 a dozen based off their environment. But there are people paying a premium. You just got to know how to sell to them and what they want. And yeah. that's what I figured out, and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you can speak confidently about what it is that you do and it fits their needs, that's how you sell. I mean, that's how that's how the, the best way to sell. That's exactly how you do it. And I keep integrity. I don't sell old cupcakes. Like I always go with the finest product, and I, I price it right. Because if I if I got you paying a premium, you deserve a premium. Like I know, I, I know. And as people develop, they they tend to sell out. But I'm you're talking to somebody that came through a lifestyle where selling out wasn't really a thing from for, for where I came at where I came up at. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of integrity where I'm at, and some people could say it probably holds me back. Like it depends on certain who you're talking to, but now I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you think your greatest skill is, what your greatest weakness is, and how you complement both of those. I think my greatest skill is definitely. Bacon, bro, culinary pastry arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you That's do. one of my greatest skills. So when I went to college and took that test, that placement test, I think my number one was culinary arts, number two was sales, number two was marketing and advertisement, number four was entrepreneurship, and I forgot what the fifth one was, but that was just coming off like fresh out of incarceration with my mindset of how it was, and those was the, the, the those was the op, 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 occupations that the test that I should have. Mm-hmm. 
based yeah, off taking, how I thought. Taking that personality test. The personality test. Yeah. And that's what it gave me. Mm-hmm. Culinary sales, entrepreneurship, marketing, advertising. That's a good piece of it. If you don't know what to do next or what to do, what you want to try or you need to change, that's a good place to start. Take one of those tests that those good ones you pay 100 bucks 50 bucks give do a free one i played a red bull and they made me take one but <laughs> i actually took it at, i think i took it at but that's um, just good man i took it at that college that i told you they gave me the full college experience that was part of it because it helps you um pick your your, your um your degree mm-hmm. your major a lot easier yeah it was like if you want to be a firefighter but you're selfish you're selfish in nature you don't put people before you you can't be saving lives yeah like, that's a know, good thing you could you could think you want to do something but really that's a bad right based bad off your, your you. thought process and that's what that test pulled out like you know mm-hmm. and it helps you kind of steer it was like a place i forgot the exact name yeah and that showed that it's like certain steps on this journey that just reinforced like okay we're on the right path oh that's a sign okay this is a sign too you know mm-hmm. so just kept going. Yeah, it's kind of like just getting the compass on that. So, talk. Did you talk about your weakness? My weakness, man, is just I feel like overworking myself. Um, that's probably about it. My my overworking myself. I would say I, I'm I'm a, I'm a work in progress, though, bro. Like I'm human, man. Like I'm I, I used to be the same guy that would work wake up two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon, but fake have the the um the get something done bugging me and want to get something accomplished and then five six o'clock comes now everything is closed and you can't be productive and you're trying to be productive Uh, at seven eight o'clock and you now it's tomorrow and if if it's tomorrow so and then people wonder why they can't get things done and why things are not changing in their lives even though they have the thought to do it but you're not executing it the right way so Mm -hmm. it's like i come from all of that so it's still about development i still like struggle with my emails and stuff like that and just work to get better like because everyone should be noticing what they're doing and learning what they want and what they don't do based off their actions so if i notice that taking too long to get back to my emails is is holding up my orders or or prolonging invoices from getting closed and i need money What's the change? What's the what's the, what do you what do you do? You're uh-huh. going to complain about not having money, you're going to speed up the process to get the invoices. You're yeah. in control of that. Yeah. It's your choice. Yeah. It's not no one else. <laughs> it's your actions. Mm-hmm. And most people listening, a lot of people don't know what their greatest strengths are or what their greatest weakness is. They they haven't even asked themselves that question yet. Well, and how can you move forward when you don't mm-hmm. even know? My networking strength is pretty good too, man. Like, my networking skills is just building a lot of allies, man. Mm-hmm. And that just goes back to you building value with those people. For you're sure. You're sticking with them. You're keeping up with them. And, and connecting we, them to each other. Yeah. Help someone out. Say, hey, I'm asking them what they need. And then either you can help them or you connect them with someone else. But that is you giving them a connection that helps them grow. And that's how you foster relationships. That's how you... Yo, give us game, man. Like, yo, there's a neighborhood in Manhattan called Dykeman, man. Shout out to Dykeman on, in the Washington Heights area. And I got friends over there on post staff, and they know I pull up with cupcakes and just give to the block and just spread love to the community. And when I come through, I'm always good. Like, and it's yep. just they go a long way. Like, it goes a long way. Like, even down in the um, Chelsea area, Manhattan, I do the same thing. Like, like with the Society of Human Resource Management, the Sherm, mm-hmm. that's a sponsorship event. Like, but it got me. It makes me. It made me become a staple to their to their whole organization. Yeah, as well as. Getting first dibs on all that high-end HR clientele mm-hmm. by creating relationships with them. Yeah. And getting them to say, hey, we want this in our office, too. 
Exactly. And the guy that I was telling you about earlier, about the he goes to the apartment communities and stuff like that, he'll just go in at 2.30 in the afternoon, somewhere he hadn't been before, and say, hey, can I give whoever's in charge of the decisions here a coffee? Can I, just, I got a couple of coffees. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. You get that lull. You're getting sleepy. Just give him a coffee. To like that. Day and say, hey, brought you coffee. We'd love to talk to you sometime. Not no biggie. Here's your boost for the day. And don't force nothing. Don't go against the grain of the hour. That's some advice. So don't force anything. And understanding what's meant for you is for you. And what's not meant for you is not for you. I see people get caught up on like, oh, that was supposed to be mine. And, but this happened. Or if this person didn't do this, I would have had this. Way too much. And it's like. Nah, you got what you were supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like even if you just missed it and it closed, like you that's that's what happened. Exactly, and even so, like it's like oh yeah, I would have loved to. Oh, I would love to play in the NBA. If I got drafted tomorrow, I would know what the fuck to do. You understand? <laughs> right. Uh, my, those are not my skills. Those it's something that I want. I'm like hell yeah, just sign me up, give me a contract. But I'm gonna fail in that environment. Right. You, my experiences are my experiences, and other people's experiences are theirs. Those are those sk- their skills, their experiences. That's gonna be good for their life. That has nothing to do with you. You can't watch nobody else's race, man. It's fixed out here, man. The race is fixed, man. Some people don't put money up. Some people got a head start. Some people got parents involved. Some people they on steroids. It's, it's a fixed race. Some some people selling out behind the scenes and, and it looks like they're in a glamorous life but they're miserable on the side and they look like they're winning with everything you think you want but it's a facade. Mm-hmm. So you, once you understand that and just get what's for you, it's a lot more clear vision, bro. Yeah. You can't get caught up on, yo, he's winning. How you know? We ain't start the same. Mm-hmm. We ain't going through the same thing. How I'm going to just like compare myself to you. I compare myself. I got friends, right, that are chef friends that I did start out the same way. Mm-hmm. I got this. Some of them started flying out across the country, getting booked in Cali and Miami a couple of years ago. I ain't get booked out to Cali and none of that stuff yet. And I do some official stuff, but I ain't get to that point yet. I can't say I'm lacking because nobody booked me for LA yet or nothing like that. My time's going to come. I know that already. Mm-hmm. And they might be doing something I'm not. I got friends that got 100K followers. I'm not going to sit here like, oh, he's better than me or anything like that. That's what he did. That's what's working for him or she, yeah. whatever the case may be. Like, I may be operating my company a little bit more efficiently, though, behind the scenes when it comes to books, though. Yeah. Like, you feel me? The things that are not seen. You know, like, so you can't really yeah. compare. Yeah, you've, you've, throughout your life and, and on this journey to where you are now, you've just continued to innovate in your own life and in what you wanted to do. Right. Without really looking at really what everybody else was doing. Because everybody right. else was doing what everybody else was doing. You I learned not to be a follower a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going right, probably going left. Like. Yeah. And talking about the horse race, yeah, you don't want to live your life like you're at a track meet and you're looking at everybody else's nah, time, bro. What everybody, how everybody else is running. Holy but shit. when you just try and beat your own time, yeah. that's when there you, you go. That's when you develop. That's when you you're your only competition you your own that you want to. Yeah, you are your only competition, man. Time yourself. Facts. <laughs> Another thing, learning the difference between responding and reacting. That's one of the new ones I kind of learned a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. There's a difference when you react to something or you respond. People shouldn't be able to control your emotions. And I argue with people about that because people think that you do shit to piss them off, but you allow me to piss you off. Mm-hmm. You could like it's, it's a level of control in there somewhere. You could be like, yeah, I lost it, and that's what it is, and justify it. But there yeah. was a level of control in there that you should have had somewhere. Like, depending on what happens, obviously nobody not going to get facing that like that. But just simple things I think that one of the best nerves. compliments is you handled that well. You understand? But there's levels. We're not talking about full-out disrespect, but we're just talking about little things that people snap over and go crazy over, you know? And that's a choice. Mm-hmm. That's a preference. And I, I call it the um 
the puppet master theory. Like if I learn what your pet peeve is and now you're somewhere prestigious or an important place and I hit that hit you with that and get you misbehaving and out of acting out of character in front of people that probably were watching you because you don't got self control. I just won. Yeah. Put you out there. I set you up because you allowed that puppet control, like puppet master shit. Yeah. Like you can't get nobody that type of control over you, bro. I, I learned that years ago when I see people do it. It's like. Nah, you're gonna let people drive you off the edge. They're gonna push you off, and let you do self destruct. Yeah, you're gonna self destruct. Your, day, your emotions aren't yours anymore. They're somebody else's. You're gonna self destruct. And these are all little, like we named a few. These are all little things that it takes to be an entrepreneur that you gotta understand and have to get through here. Mm-hmm. Understanding the difference between opinions and facts, too. Yeah. People, I could call, I could say this podcast is trash, my opinion. If you got all these views and people coming up and it's lit, that's what's going on. <laughs> but you feel me? You can't, don't let what I say deter you. You yeah. feel me? And if I do say something like that, I personally be like, if you're going to say it's whack, can you tell me why it's whack? Like, don't just call it whack. Like, yeah. you got to explain that shit. If you can tell me why, I'm like, cool, then I can fix that's it. That's different. But if you just, that's yeah, hater. You're, you're just a hater. Talking, you're a hater. You just you give me a comment. You just yeah. give me a comment. Yeah, you're a hater if you, if you can't, if you can't back that, that up. If you tell me, hey, the audio was bad, dude, turn the volume up. It was a little foggy on the, the I don't know, something. But Say that's support, that's, though, but yeah, that's, that's, that's giving me advice. Right, that's support. That's, that's a pull-up. That's a pull-up, not a put-down. That's not like, bro, this is bad, and it's like talking it down or whatever. That's Those are two different things. But still, even so, that's and an opinion, though. But still, that's even an opinion. Like, I've worked for chefs that say, I don't like how you work, but then I got people that love what I do. Mm-hmm. So why would I let this one person's opinion affect my whole mission? Yeah, I had somebody Especially when it works for you. Right, I had somebody tell me that because I said, it and you know, some people might take this. It's my opinion. I was working with someone, and they and they were they were making croissants. We had a, a job to shape croissants and make them a certain way, mm-hmm. and I felt that we had a comfortable, comfortable enough rapport where I could tell her like, "Yo, your, your croissants are a little shitty," you know. And she said that that day changed her whole life. And made her lead not want to pursue patriarchs anymore and become a personal trainer. And she started, I noticed her doing all this workout shit and coming in. And she took a few months to tell me that. She told me that several months later. And it was like, you're the reason why I don't take this serious anymore. And I'm like, how could you ever give me that much power over your life? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's me thinking how I think, but I think that's too much. Like Maybe some people don't have that control, but I can't give you that much power over my life. You seeing something to me makes me deviate the whole shit. Like, nah, bro. Yeah. But that's me, though. You feel me? Yeah, keeping in control, and that's going back to what we said earlier about having a mental foundation and having that just ready. Yeah, bro. It's serious because... Because if something comes along like that, someone just tells you what you've been working on it's no good, and you just... You're just, just pivot. Fall out immediately. Nah. You try to fix it. You don't ask, okay, well... And you get people that be. get discrepancies like that, and they should know they got a job or something. Like, I be thugging it out. Some, my, my, listen, my girl be like, yo, you bugging, and you working hard, and this should be, listen, I don't feel it. Like, I'm good. Like, things coming. Like, I understand. Like, I've gone to sleep at, I've gone to sleep and had, like, $2 in my account and woke up to, like, 800 Claremont. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell people, like, are you going to cry? Because your bank account might be overdraft or you low and you don't know what's going on. Like, you got to have faith, bro. This shit is faith-driven for real. Yeah. And this is shit is understanding that you reap what your actions produce. It's like going to the gym. If you go hit the bar and no waste multiple times a week, you will get results. You're not going to get results the same day. But over time, you will get results if you keep up the routine and you're consistent. Yeah. That is how entrepreneurship works. I, my bank account reflects my actions. Mm-hmm. If I am lacking and I take time off and go lazy, my bank account will reflect that. Yeah. So if I want big bucks, I have to put big work. 
Yeah, I think it was Elon Musk tweeted or said or something, but you're paid directly in proportion to the difficulty of problems that you solve. And the Me, value yeah, that you for bring. sure. Yeah. And that's that's how my life is. So who am I complaining to when I'm in control? Mm-hmm. It's saying it's got to do it, right? It's got to it. fix it and make it work. I can't complain. I, yeah. I talk about it. Sometimes I'll talk about it. I may vent like that, just address certain yeah. shit, but it's, it's different from a complaint. Yeah. And your Austin is lovely, man. I shout out to Austin, Texas, man. I'm loving it out here. Definitely consider um expanding fresh taste bakery out here and get some carrot cake cookies. I ain't seen no carrot cake cookies out here. I ain't see. I ain't even gonna talk about all the things I don't see. I'm gonna just bring them. How about that? There you go. Any <laughs> any other last pieces of advice or anything that you want to say? Nah, definitely. Um, check me out on on Instagram at Fresh Taste Bakery. Got a website freshtasteNYC.com. I'm on Twitter, Bake by Fresh. We on Facebook. Fresh Taste Bakery, that's F-R-E-S-H, T-A-S-T-E, Bakery. And definitely stay on the lookout, man, Austin, Texas. And if y'all ever in New York, definitely beach out. We got some of the best. Yo, the carrot cake cookies is crazy. The yeah. shortbread cheesecake is Yeah, let is me know stupid. if y'all go to New York and I'll Yeah, I'll y'all come to New York, man. Definitely shout out to Jordan, yeah. And I'll show y'all some love on the price. I'll give y'all like a 15, 20% off or stuff, but Let's go. I'm going to come up and see you in New York. Let's do it, bro. You got to roll out the car before you. Absolutely. I'll bring you the Dykeman or something. Let's go. Come in the summertime when it's warm, I'll change your life, bro. Let's go. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Jordan Year with me and Chef Fresh, which, by the way, is just one of the coolest nicknames I've ever heard. Um, I had so much fun sitting with him. I know this is one of our longer episodes, but there was just so much that I wanted to talk to him about and learn about before he jetted off to New York um, from Austin after looking in town and, and trying to find another spot for one of his businesses to expand into. So I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of really great stuff we talked about, but let me know if you guys really enjoyed it, if there was anything that um, you took from it, and please share this episode or any of the other episodes that you've heard. I want this to touch more and more people. Um, but yeah, until next time, my name is Corey Mortensen, and this is the Jordan Your Podcast.